Welcome to our Growth Hacking Meetup podcast. Our Growth Hacking Meetup is held in Zurich. We regularly invite founders from the Swiss lean startup scene to present and discuss their growth cases with focus on their challenges and practical tips. Each of the presenters introduces their company before presenting the growth case. After the presentation, we have a Q&A with the Growth Hacking panel and audience. Our panel consists of Joel Capt, Head of Growth at Beekeeper, and Marcus Kuhn, Lean Startup Expert and Product Architect, and Partner at Watt. The discussions are moderated by Luke Skudlerek, Founding Partner and Growth Hacking Lead at Watt. In this podcast, we bring to you a growth case from Philibay, a cosmetic brand startup whose wipes are free from additives and do not contain anything that could harm or irritate the skin, as well as being fully recyclable. After just 12 months, they had already built up a customer base of 15,000 in Switzerland alone, and today have a strong presence in both Switzerland and Germany. CEO Marcus Lehmann will present the Philibay growth case. Some of you might have heard of Philabay, it's a cosmetic company um, based and, uh, um, in, well, actually based in Switzerland for now. It's a Swiss company. And um, I'll just briefly go through the topics I'd like to address. First of all, uh, technology in a nutshell. Uh, when we talk about cosmetics, many people think of uh, creams, of serums, stuff like that. We are not a serum, we are not a cream, we're something completely different which is important to understand the story. Um, then, what was it all about? Um, seven years ago, we had first to identify our core market. We had to understand the technology we had and the people, how they would interact with the technology. Um, then we had to develop a product that would address people's need. Uh, as we understood the market at that time, we did a test launch. Then um, we had like loops, we had to learn, we had to adjust the products, we had to adjust the branding of the products and also the product range. Um, we launched again, uh, we are now in growth mode. Um, then um, how did investors perceive, uh, perceive our story? Uh, what were the challenges on that side, which I believe is one of the crucial aspects when it comes to growth stories. And uh, the now it's so easy, but I'm still, okay. And then challenges for the future. Where are we now? Um, what kind of different growths do really exist? So the technology is uh, for women a bit more challenging than for most men. It's the first thermal delivery technology without any additives. Now, what does that say? When you look at the cream, the cream consists of water, the cream consists of fat or oils, and it requires emulsifiers. Fat, oil, water in a cosmetic product or additives, they're not, uh, not the ingredients you wish to have on your skin to do their job. Um, our product is dry. That's why it doesn't require any additives, it doesn't require any stabilizers, it doesn't require any preservatives or anything like that. And it is ingredients in a microfiber tissue. So. That adds to uh, some convenience because what you do is you take off your makeup at the same time you deliver the ingredients to your skin. This sounds a bit fancy, but it is, uh, it is uh, scientifically proven. There is also a medical company. Um, we're doing the same thing there, but on a medical level, not on a cosmetic level. As I said, conventional delivery systems are aqueous, which means they're water-based. All of them basically, even if you have a tissue, um, they're wet tissues or moist tissues, so basically it's a cream in a tissue or it's a serum in a tissue. 
Um, I'm not bothering you with the pros and cons of it, but as women can imagine, it's a quite a different thing to apply a cream than to apply a tissue and not use a cream at night. Um, so basically, that was one of the key issues we had to understand first. We had a technology, we realized it has uh, a lot of advantages because uh, there are no additives in it, which means you have 100% active ingredients that can do their job on your skin, and there is nothing that uh, hinders uh, the active ingredients from doing their job. Imagine a cream has 1% active ingredients, the rest is additives. So this sounds bad, but it's the truth. So first of all, we had to understand how would women specifically react when you hand them over a dry tissue, tell them to pour on some water, and then use it as a washing cloth on their face without any uh, makeup remover and so on. Viable product, uh, the products today look quite different. They are different in, 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 in the tissue that is used. Um, we basically distributed them for free to journalists, we distributed them to friends, uh, to pharmacists, to doctors, and we just wanted to hear from them, how do you like it? Now, most of them didn't like it that much, specifically women, they had quite a problem with it, uh, which came back as a challenge. And we had to kind of design a story. What do we tell people without telling them a cream is bad, that they should use a new product? People suffering from skin problems that would accept the new technology because these guys, they have made the experience that the products they know don't work. That's why they still suffer from a skin problem. Same time, the trick was to gain as much insight from the customers as possible, which means we needed to get the feedbacks. Now, the more offline you go, the more difficult it gets to uh, get feedbacks. You have to go into surveys, into the market, it's very difficult. So um, our online um, market or our online shop that we launched was a very inexpensive shop at that time. Uh, we were in the test phase. So it was difficult to gather the feedback, so we ended up doing a lot of uh, work at hand, if you want. Thanks, uh, thanks, Marcus. You can grab a seat, I think, uh, here in the middle. And uh, we'll move on to, to a quick uh, Q&A. I think you guys can grab that one. Um, so let me start with a quick question about the potential. So what do you think is the next uh, kind of step for Philabe in, the, in terms of growth rate and also the volume? Well, uh, that's a question I'm asking myself all the time, to be honest. I mean, the market is huge. It's uh, that the core market of, of skin problems is roughly 30 billion US dollars. Uh, I'd say rather in the Western world, probably including China. Um, but we have just closed a deal with an Indian distributor. And we realize that Indians perceive our product completely different than we do. So uh, that suggests that there is even a bigger market in these countries than, than we thought, because for them the, the, the sheer cleansing aspect of the product is paramount. Um, for us, I'd say in 10 years' time, uh, it is really possible, and I think also highly uh, probable, uh, that for skin diseases uh, such like acne or irritated skin uh, will be one of the market leaders because the product is simply better. And in terms of um, MVP and the process, 
of development of the product. Um, based on those learnings, do you think you can now do it faster or were you fast enough with the product development? To be honest, it took us years, uh, but in the hindsight, you're always uh, uh, you're clever. You know what you did wrong. So it is increasing speed, uh, definitely, uh, specifically also because we have uh, finalized the base technology. We're not in development of the technology anymore. That is fine. I think it's as good as it gets for the time being. Uh, so the speed accelerates uh, clearly. Um, the question is, does the speed also uh, keep up with the whole market research, the understanding of the different markets? Um, Marcus or Joel, would you, would you like to ask some questions? Or what do you think, Marcus, maybe from the product development perspective and lean startup perspective, how do you rate the process that Philabe implemented? I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because uh, the lean process is for iterations, but if you have these physical attributes to a product, it's much, much harder to do it fast. So maybe you can share how you managed to accelerate this loop, even though you had this whole distribution and the production and so on. Was there learnings that you took away there? When you go to pharmacies, I believe, a pharmacy in Switzerland, in Germany, uh, even in India, they're suffering uh, or they're, they're confronted pretty much with the same issues in, in sales. They don't like to sell products. They like to consult people. So that's a different aspect. So but that's, I think, all over the place is the same thing. Um, and then you have a frame, uh, in our case, and that is a regulatory frame. So if you develop a new product in cosmetics, even harder when it's in, in medical. Uh, it takes you time, you need to uh, prove that uh, it doesn't expire, uh, that it is stable, uh, and so on. Uh, so typically when you launch a new product, it takes you a year. Did you actually have to prove a medical claim or did you avoid that? Because if you st actually, I'm talking about acne here, being fully aware that we are not a product that cures acne. In fact, we do, but we're not allowed to say it. We talk about pimples. That is no problem. When somebody's suffering from pimples, which is acne, very good at that. It's not medical, so we don't have to prove it. Actually. And, and Joel, from your perspective, I mean, we didn't really talk about the customer acquisition. Do you have any um, inputs or? One rule of thumb is that you never start scaling the business uh, before you reach hard market fit, right? Um, and so my question is, how did you in that case define and like basically grow the confidence that now you reach hard market fit so it's set to scale? Well, let's say uh, in the dark area, Austria, Switzerland, Germany, um, cultural fit is, is pretty much the same. So basically, you know, there is so and so much people suffering from irritated skin, there is so and so many people suffering from, from acne skin and so on. So basically, the market is in front of you. Then the question is, when you go to Asia, do you need a whitener? Yes, no, for instance. And these are the questions you really have to address. And we, did it, we developed the whitener. And then we listened to the market, what people talking to us about it. They do. So it's but, but you still have only six products, right? So that's a good decision in a way to have less products. I'd say um, when it comes to more than 10 products, it's getting really complicated for a small company. So six products, I'm totally happy with. Yes. We have also, Marcus, do you want to add something? Because we have a couple of questions from the audience. Yeah, kind of um, how I would measure maybe product market fit if I would have to would be in rebuys. So I would uh, see how many people stick with the product. And that's kind of uh, 
a metric that I think would would be one to be optimizing for, because uh, my personal assumptions here, not knowing uh, too much about it, because Luke is really quiet about these things, um, is that uh, as a disclaimer, I actually work on the on the campaign for Philabe, so yeah. I know the company quite well. But I would assume that the customer acquisition cost probably is higher than the margin on the first month. So uh, it probably makes uh, sense to optimize for that in the long run, at least, when the patient investors run out of patience. True. I mean, that is one of the crucial uh, aspects. The thing is, in cosmetic, people have a super low loyalty to products. They rather stick to brands than the products. So that's why you see like every two or three months when you watch TV, you see a new Nivea campaign for a shampoo. It's not because they have developed a new product. It's because they repackaged it and renamed it so people have a reason to rebuy it. We also have a couple of questions from the audience. We won't have time to ask all of them. Uh, the first one is, is there a certain growth channel that helped you scale? I think it's scale. <laughs> You never know exactly how different channels interact with each other. One of the most or most important decisions was to stick to pharmacies. It's not interesting in terms of uh, margins. Obviously, you give up roughly 50%, and then you're in direct competition, uh, competition to easy-to-sale products because the rest is creams. Uh, but nevertheless, it, we gain trustworthiness with it. People believe it. Also, when, when I talk to uh, UK people, I tell them I were on sales in space pharmacies. That helps a lot. Mm -hmm. The rest is really a trial and error online, which you're mainly responsible yeah. for. So that was important. And in terms of any growth hacks that you think um, helped you get a boost in sales or traffic? Really, we had nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, well. You try to replicate it, but there is a lot of steps to get people uh, on TV, and then I mean, we were bombarded with questions or with assaults. So, were you paying the doctor? Mm -hmm. No, we were not. So that helped in the end. Mm -hmm. So basically, to get that again, you can talk to doctors, you can distribute your product to as many people as possible. But I think that's what you can do there. And in terms of um, content production, so the next question is, are you producing a lot of educational content to educate the markets? Because especially if you're di disrupting the creams, you have to explain it. Um, the first difficulty we faced is we explained people that our product is also a perfect cleanser. So we ended up being a cleansing tissue because it's a tissue, you see it, people know cleansing tissues, but they don't know tissues in combination with active ingredients when they're dry. So basically, uh, it, was, uh, it was rather a negative aspect. So we stopped talking about the cleansing altogether. I think that was one of the most important things. And then it comes to the Swiss market here. Many people know us, so they know oh, it's the guys with the tissues. Uh, so we can now talk again about cleansing. Mm -hmm. Now we go to Germany, we don't talk about cleansing. So I think that is the iteration you have to understand in the market. And in fact, that is a growth engine or a growth stopper. Mm -hmm. And is it, I guess it's difficult also to change those perceptions because it takes time, right? So you can't uh, experiment as easily with your brand. Um, well, you do that in the very beginning. That was mm -hmm. really what we did when we distributed products almost for free. Mm -hmm. um, then, I mean, the price point is an inf it's a very important information point because 
people that sell a cleanser, if they, if our products are perceived as a cleanser, at, at 60 Swiss francs, typically it's not a cleanser. Yeah. So, so people start to think now if price would be 19, um, it would be more difficult. I guess. And the last question is about numbers. So can you share any numbers about the cost of uh, acquisition or lifetime value of the customers? Lifetime value is uh, roughly 450 Swiss francs. Um, and uh, the cost of acquisition is roughly 50 Swiss francs. So it's quite a good margin. I mean, for a it's a subscription. We, we didn't really talk about the subscription yeah. model, right? Because that's another crazy and different thing about Philabe. Actually true. It's so, uh, so Philabe that I don't even see it anymore. But it's true. When we came up with the subscription model, that changed a lot. Because uh, we have 28 tissues in one pack. You know, after 28 days, it's gone. But we also know after 28 days, you need supply. So we started to have a subscription model. And that works super well. We have like 60% of our remaining or returning customers, second purchase customers, they switch into a subscription model. Thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to our channel and be the first to know about fresh content from the Swiss Lean startup scene.